Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder, too. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I run Strength Guild. I lift in powerlifting Highland Games. I've done Strongman. I've done about everything but bodybuilding that Lonnie Lowry's done. So, Nice. Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm the owner of Extreme Human Performance, teach for Globe University, did the certification over at E2 Perform, and some other stuff too, but no bodybuilding. Yeah, you've done some grip competitions. Man, we've got all the bases covered here, don't we? Yeah, I did a bunch of grip competitions, did some powerlifting stuff in the past, did a strongman competition, so yeah. Yeah, You know, I don't want to pigeonhole you, right, as the grip athlete amongst us, but (laughs) Phil, have you ever done that? You ever do the grip stuff? Nope. I've just hung on to heavy bars. Yeah. That's grip. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be grip. Holding yeah. 800 pounds in your hand is a grip, Phil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I know that you're not judged on that. Like, you know, he didn't he, he didn't get that past his kneecaps, but God, look at that grip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Grip <laughs> there. I was actually talking to a student the other day about um, different grip competitions and stuff. He was talking about there's these guys that do hang from bar and see how long they can hang and, and um, like, one-handed and this and that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I – that kind of fits. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I just tried some one-handed hangs the other day, and I was like, oh, I'm utterly horrible at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At first I thought, I told him, well, that'd be more muscular endurance, and I thought about it. No, because if your maximal strength is really high, that would be more submaximal, you yeah. know, to be able to do that. Your body weight wouldn't be a big deal to you, so. Yeah. Another part okay. people forget, too, and I, I forgot, too, is how much uh, – just stress you have on your shoulder even if your grip can hold on to it you know especially if you're over 200 or a bigger guy you know that that's another component too it is you know i used to people would talk about um how awesome they were at chins and i was always bottom heavy you know even when i was competing and i was at my biggest or or even now some people are just built to be bottom heavy as opposed to the guys that have no legs they don't spend any time in the squat rack and they're boasting about chins i'm like yeah because you got you know you have like eight pounds below your waist you know <laughs> just, just saying easy okay. for those light bulbs yeah, that's yeah. right light bulbs okay i have um i got one bit of news i got a bunch of mail and then we're, we're going to do a little bit of uh, achievements in training we haven't done this for months uh and it's not always a pr you know as far as weight on the bar it could be something we learned or um you know a new movement anything like that but uh i digress uh let's start with the news Strength and Muscle Sport News. My wife sent me this because she is decidedly um, not vegan. So if you're a vegan, don't listen to this part. You might not like it because I'll tell you, I've had conversations with people who were vegans before, even arguments. And um, I'm all about it. And I think, Phil, I think we all probably agree. If you're into being a vegan for ethical reasons, I can see that argument, right? Some of what the the animal industry does is a little hard to witness. Um, 
having said that, I mean, you can make arguments for, you know, the food chain and, and that kind of thing. But anyway, this is called Being Vegan Isn't As Good For Humanity uh, As We Think. This is from Quartz Daily Brief, I think, by Chase Purdy, as I understand. This is just very recently published. It's sort of a science-based blog. Um, basically, what they're suggesting here, let me just set this up. It says, um, you know, vegans often take the high moral ground when it comes to, you know, food sustainability and that sort of thing. It says, using biophysical simulation models to compare 10 eating patterns Researchers found that eating fewer animal products will increase the number of people that can be supported by existing farmland. But, as it turns out, eliminating animal products altogether is not the best way to maximize sustainable land use. Uh, this work was published in Elementa. It's a journal on the science of the Anthropocene. So... They looked at the vegan diet. They looked at two different vegetarian diets. I think like a lacto-ovo, right, with the milk and eggs, and then just just the milk. It says, based on their models, the vegan diet would feed fewer people than two of the vegetarian and two of the omnivorous diets that were studied. Hmm. The bottom hmm. line, going cold turkey on animal-based products may not actually be the most sustainable long-term choice for humanity. It says the average U.S. consumer today requires more than two and a half acres. That's over two football fields of land each year to sustain their current diet. And how you can dramatically reduce that footprint, right, if you reduce the meats. I mean, it makes sense. You can grow a lot of uh, plants on some of that land and instead of, like, one cow, you know, grazing all over it sort of thing. However, it says, when applied to the entire global population, the vegan diet wastes available land that could otherwise feed more people. That's because we use different kinds of land. And this is something that hasn't been looked at in the past. And I just think this is fun. I like to, you know, shots fired at the vegans, I guess. I'm not <laughs> – only, only because <laughs> so much – vegans. Well, yeah, so much of uh, what they do, I think, is, you know, when you start to have a, a conversation with them – there's like a belief system around it. And, you know, on one side you can make belief-based decisions, but I rather make logical conclusions, you know. So it's just fun to kind of poke around. In fact, I, I said this on the podcast uh, many months ago, but once I made a comment about how, you know, we have enzymes in our digestive tract like collagenase. That's there for one reason, and that's meat, you know. Or I remember the picture I took of you, Dr. Nelson, in the Smithsonian oh, yeah. It, there's a whole wing there about how meat eating actually led to larger brains and the ability to, you know, have enough time, you know, because meats are so nutrient rich that you can actually take that time that you would have spent grazing and foraging and teach your young and develop art and science and, you know, so, but uh, I digress. There's three kinds of land, apparently, that these guys are looking at. Grazing land, right, which is often unsuitable for growing crops. There's perennial land that uh, supports crops that are alive year-round. And then there's cultivated crop land, which is what we usually think, which is you know where you, you grow fruits and vegetables and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it says, the diets that contain the most meat used all available crop and animal grazing lands. The diets, and they look at quite a few here, that um, 
used the least amount of meat or no meat at all varied a lot in land use. It says, but the vegan diet stood out because it was the only diet that used no perennial crop land at all. And if you remember, that's one of our three types. And as a result, would waste the chance to produce a lot of food. Hmm. So, yeah, it pretty much ignores the grazing land. And yeah, yeah. yep, so. yep. And then there's also a section here throwing a bone to vegans and that sort of thing. I mean, there are a lot of podcasts that are more popular than ours are about, you know, the vegan athlete and this and that. But we've had episodes on that before. If you talk to a lot of strength athletes, most of the ones that I've encountered, and I don't know what you guys would say, but they would actually admit, I guess is the best word, that had they been more omnivorous and eaten more meat, they probably would have benefited from it in some way. You know, as opposed to, uh, and I've the part that bugs me. I've still yet to see a strength or power athlete that started and ended vegan. There's always the they bring up these people that they were freaking omnivorous all the way to a point, and then four months ago they turned vegan. And they're like, look at him, he's badass. It's like, yeah, <laughs> he just turned that way, <laughs> right? Right. You know? And we all know we, you know what? Whether it's training or I, I would argue maybe even nutrition. Once you build up a large base of muscle mass, it's easier to hold on to it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Than to build it in the first place. Anyway. Uh, what else do we have going on here? Anyway, so, you know, not just a slam against uh, vegans, but I think so often it's touted as the, you know, most ethical, most environmentally friendly, and even best for your health. And I don't agree with that. You know, I, I think a lean meat uh, diet with lots of vegetables. That's great. I'm not anti-vegetable at all. I mean, but I think we overlook it. There are zoo chemicals, you know, creatine and carnosine, and we've talked about this stuff before. So anyway, this even takes, you know, a notch away from that um, pure vegan idea from a different perspective. Yeah, but a lot of that, too, makes a difference on how the meat is, you know, raised and that type of thing, too, because, you know, in Minnesota, I have the luxury of you know buying grass-fed beef from a farmer we know in Wisconsin who you know, rotates the cows on the land and, you know, that kind of stuff too. So I think that, you know, it makes a difference on, you know, how everything is raised to. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, there's sustainable coffee, there's sustainable right. all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else is going on? Let me run down some iron radio news before I get to some listener mail. Um, I mentioned that men's fitness article on protein mixing, um, there was a, a couple of different people that they interviewed. Uh, that's up. So I'll, I'll put a link maybe on the Facebook page. Uh, those of you who are familiar with mixing different proteins, like, you know, one of the questions would come up, can I mix casein and whey? Will it slow down the whey? You know, um, if I have a plant protein, which plant proteins are best to mix? That kind of stuff. So uh, what else? Brace yourselves, but the fall funds drive, it's almost time. So it's September. We'll start uh, putting little mentions here and there or even a little ad mid-show. Uh, I know a lot of podcasts. In fact, some podcasts that I listen to that are listener-supported, like Iron Radio, uh, they're irritatingly so. They constantly bring it up. And I don't know if listeners think about this, but we don't. You know, We don't start every episode with Phil begging for cash or you know, me begging <laughs> you know, for donations or so we try to limit this to a fall funds drive. Sometimes we'll have other special contests or something like that. But So don't be offended. I mean, something's got to keep the lights on, pay the servers and whatnot. So uh, we try not to put that in your face all the time, but look for the fall funds drive. And by the way, thank you for people who have uh, 
supported us in the past. We do have sustaining members too, the $4 per month uh, people. That's greatly appreciated, you know, because some come and go, you know, and uh, I'll usually even send people if they uh, have to stop for whatever reason, I'll say thanks for supporting us while you could. And you'd be surprised at the number of really nice emails I get. Like, I'm just a poor grad student, I, you know. I just wanted to help while I could, and great. That's awesome. You know, that's awesome. Uh, also, anybody who supported some of the research uh, I, I've asked for in the past, donations for some student research and whatnot. I have prepped some audio files, and if you email me, and some of you have about, hey, I supported the research. Can you give me some details? What came of that? I can send you links. Through uh, experimental biology, they keep up the posters. You know the, that stuff gets published. I can show you the posters, and I'm also gonna. I can send you links. Uh, I actually recorded audio on the way to work. Uh, it was like you know five o'clock in the morning. It was just brutal early morning stuff. But because uh, we have to test a lot of these people before breakfast, because of course people eat different breakfasts, and then all hell breaks loose. And so uh, I'll offer those to anybody who wants them. You can just send us an email through ironradio.org. It's, I think there's like five or six installments, but it gives you an idea about what happens, you know, with people who are collecting data and trying to get some stuff published and, you know. Yeah, I think it's very cool for people to know that that money goes directly to helping students do research and, like you said, presenting it at, you know, the conferences, which, you know, I've been there too and, um, I think that's a really cool opportunity for, for students to have that they may not have because, you know, funding from the school a lot of times is less than expected, too. So Right, right, yep. And, uh, in fact, in our achievements, uh, achievements in training, and it's not so much just training, but I could even share some of what we're, we're looking at just recently. There's some really cool stuff that you kind of stumble upon with this stuff. So it, it does matter, you know, like – you know, you guys are real professionals. I'm a real professional. This, so many people in the uh, fitness industry, they're sort of fake scientists or they're personality coaches. You know what I mean by that, Phil? They're 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 all over online. They look like they're some superstar. It's like, well, if you're such a superstar, how do you write an article a day and spend all your day on on social media? You know, where are your where are the actual clients, kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, and your and your gym. I don't know. Um. So there's that. Uh, YouTube, I wanted to make a quick comment. I continue to put up our audio only uh, on YouTube. It's just for anybody who wants to listen to it. It's, it's very secondary. I'm not going to put a ton of time into that because, of course, the way we've been sustainable with this podcast, talk about sustainability, is that we could just sit down on Saturdays and just, you know, shoot the shit, talk shop, and so I'm not going to put a ton of time into that. I know there's there's not a lot of people that are listening through that route, but just something to support the community. You know, if you want to listen in your living room, like I said, through your Roku or your Xbox or something, sometimes YouTube's an easier way to do that. Just expect audio only, uh, and there's not going to be video. Okay, uh, uh, listener mail here. Got a nice email just yesterday from David. He says, "I hope all is well." You may have seen what I'm about to tell you, but I'm passing it on just in case. About three months ago on YouTube, a video podcast was posted with an interview with Tom Platts. I thought you may enjoy it. If you do a Google search for Golden Aesthetic Podcast, it will come up. Uh, it's titled Mind-Blowing Podcast with Legendary Tom Platts, the Golden Eagle. Uh, he, so David says it's very motivational, inspiring uh, he says, while watching it this morning, 
I had my pre-training meal of a whey protein drink, uh, two Pop-Tarts, and a big dose of coffee in my Iron Radio <laughs> mug with ibuprofen. <laughs> wow. This is, he's, he's just getting got, prepared for war. That's yeah. right. He's, <laughs> he's got the whole suite going. Uh, then I did lots of squats. Uh, I was in the zone and didn't want my training session to end. I'm sure you can relate. Um, so he said, and then he just says, keep up the good work. I've been supporting member for two years. I look forward to weekly po- your weekly podcast and often listen to shows many times over. There are many gems content- contained in each show. Enjoy your weekend. So thank you, David. That was nice. And, you know, that's exactly the kind of stuff I, I replied to him. And I love to look at that kind of stuff, you know, some of the older school uh, stuff. In fact, I did reach out to Robbie Robinson recently uh based on listener feedback it's actually harder to reach some of those old school bodybuilders than you might think they have web pages you know like robbyrobinson.net boyerco.net and you actually try to reach out to them and the web pages don't exist anymore they're not exactly kept up and maintained you know it's hard to reach them so we'll see uh what else? Uh, this is from, oh, Robert Dion at Open Sky Podcast. I'm not sure if you noticed last week, but we did launch uh, your interview. Yeah, I did an interview with these guys. Uh, sorry, I somehow forgot to send this. Uh, it says, I hope you're doing well. I wanted to let you know that our interview is now up and running. Again, this is on the Open Sky Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to do the interview. I won't go through all this, but it's essentially about bodybuilding and you know starting healthy habits. It's more of a gen pop kind of podcast, and I hope Robert doesn't smack me for saying that. But you know, honestly, you could take a barbell approach, and it's going to help all kinds of people. I know that's kind of how Phil. That's like your mo in a lot of ways. You know, is hey, barbells work, kind of thing. So, uh, so that's up. I mentioned the Robbie Robinson thing. Oh, and a, a Reddit question here. So let me toss this at you fellows before we go to uh, break. Mm. I don't think we covered this last time, uh, Dr. Nelson, when we did some Reddit questions. This guy says, uh, what is the best way to cope with carb craving? Did we do this one? Mm-mm. Not that I remember. Okay. I'm cutting for the first time in like three years, and God damn, I want carbs. <laughs> <laughs> I eat, I eat vegetables. <laughs> I eat vegetables, but no matter how full uh, I get, you know, meat and vegetables, the carb craving is still there. I'm on 150 grams of carbs for my cut, so I can eat some. Help. All right. How about you, Doctor Nelson? This sounds like the kind of thing you might bump into. <laughs> oh man, that could be a whole bunch of different ways, but. I guess a couple things for him to look at. We don't have too much background info, but um, seeing where his protein is at, you know, probably a little bit higher, you know, may help a little bit from there. Um, also seeing where his fats are at. Uh, sometime I've noticed, like recently, people have like a super high fat intake or higher, I guess you could say, sometimes even in the 90 to 100 grams, which is not astronomical. It's not ketogenic or anything, but a few people I've just switched, you know, the amount of calories from fat to carbohydrates. So basically keeping the calories the same. Um, and they tend to do a little bit better just from cravings and performance wise, that type of thing. Um, another thing he can try too, which he might be doing, but we don't have any info, is higher amount of carbohydrates on the weight training days and then a little bit lower on the off day. Usually on an off day, I won't have people go much below 120 grams of carbs and get in that sort of 
50 to 100 gram area and most people just feel pretty horrible I mean, obviously at some point you may end up in that area just because there's nowhere else to go um but starting off try to stay out of that sort of gray zone um that's what i would look at and then the other thing too is what type of training he's doing i have noticed that if people do a fair amount of high kind of glycolytic training or crossfit or a lot of strong med medleys or just a lot of volume um, that their craving for carbohydrates tends to go up quite a bit because yeah, they're yeah. burning through a whole bunch of them. So he may want to look at that in terms of <laughs> what style of training he's doing. Um, and there's some good data now even for pure hypertrophy. I know Dr. Brad Schoenfeld's done some studies uh, showing that even longer rest periods um, between sets may actually be better. Um, so he may want to pull his training out just a little bit and have a little bit more rest and still keep the quality of work um, pretty high and see how that goes too. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I uh, I can only offer like when I have competed in the past, I would sort of pester other guys and say, you know, how do you prep? You know, it's always interesting to me. It's it's very oh, yeah. carb focused, but I, it's sort of like a, a chance that you're not going to get anywhere else. You know, so I, I almost like an anthropologist, you know, amongst this. T- this foreign <laughs> culture kind of thing, uh, not totally qualitative assessment backstage. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know, some guys will uh, they'll allow like a Saturday refeed, and they'll go bonkers and unapologetically oh, yeah. so. Like if they cut their carbs really heavily, like down to fifty grams a day kind of thing during the week, Ooh. they'll eat um, a whole chocolate cake on Saturday, you know, or a large pizza, they'll go nutso, reestablish their glycogen store so they can get a good run at the next week. And if you think about it, you're like, well, doesn't that ruin everything? Well, when you're depleted, yeah, you're going to store more of that, probably the fat too, uh, than normally, you know, enzymes are excited and the hormones are, everything's poised to store. But when you think about everything you've denied yourself for the last five days, quantitatively, it's just you're never going to put that much back. You know, you're still ahead. So, you know, that's, I suppose that's an approach too. I know what he's saying. Sometimes even when you're eating lots of meats and veggies, you do get those cravings. You know, you'll, I've looked at stuff. I always joke, like I look at saltine crackers, like they're, you know, crispy cream donuts or something. (laughs) But that's, I mean, I'm, I'm a weekend to my diet and it's a freaking craving. That's it. That's, that's where it's like, so just shut up and don't eat it. You know, you're doing this diet. It's not supposed to be fun. You know, is what, yeah, yeah. When you get to a point, if you're doing now, if he's just dieting to be like healthy, well, yeah, you need to find a middle ground. Yeah. But if you're doing something extreme, like Lonnie did to get on stage or, you know, what I'm doing for the first time in 15 years, at some point it's going to suck and I'm going to look at a donut and I'm going to want it and I'm just going to have to say no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sorry to be the downer, but I mean, yeah. it, it really is that it's a craving. It's just a desire for something. Yeah. Are you and stronger was, than the, you know, I'm stronger than the donut. Right. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <sighs> I always look at when those start too, right? So if he's doing that to try to get to more an extreme level and let's say he's 16 weeks out and this is going on now. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're four weeks out or whatever, eight weeks or something, you know, and you've been doing it for six months. Eh, Okay, yeah, you know. <laughs> but right, if yeah. this is like day one, oh, danger. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, what you just said, Phil, reminds me of what Dorian Yates used to say. Uh, Rob and I yeah. were in his hotel room once, <clears throat> and he said something along the lines of, uh, 
you know, people get cranky and they, you know, they break up with their spouse or their girlfriend because of a diet and this and that. And he goes, what the hell is going on? He said, yeah. I'll just eat the cake then. I mean, I'm doing it to myself, you know, like mm-hmm. Phil said, like suck it up. Of course, it's, yeah. it's irritating. Yeah. Um, actually, there's been some good research with uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and, and teaching people to sort of um, – you know, first you get in a good state. You don't wait until you're starving to do this. But when you're feeling kind of full and replete, you uh, set the stage, right? It's like contingency management. Like when I get to that hunger point, I'm going to examine, you know, what it is. Instead of just flying into this panic mode, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I'm starving. This is so bad. It's like, well, what am I feeling? Well, my stomach's growling a little. What else? I feel a little fatigued. And you just kind of like a scientist, almost study your sensations. But the point is they they try to do that in such a way that it's not as big of a deal. Like you said, Phil, it's like, well, yeah, it's a craving. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Move on. Yeah. Move on, right? Yeah. And then focus <laughs> on something else maybe. Yeah. Uh, that's, now, it's that's easier said for some people than others. I get it. Hormones drive us in different ways and mm-hmm. – but I got to think that psychologically, some of that training could help, you know, so it's not yeah. a panic. It's not a panic yeah. scenario. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm a weekend and I'm already getting people like posting memes on my page. Like mm. my diet, my diet was going well until Taco Tuesday hit. And it's like, no, <laughs> I'm OK. You know, it's <laughs> this isn't for the next 50 years. You know, I've got a set period of time and then I can go back to having whatever the hell I want. That's right. You know? That's right. And I'm OK with it. So, well, it looks like yeah. uh, this Reddit question. He's he's eating 150 grams of carbs a day. So, yeah. I don't know. I, there are some people who would suggest. I think some of the ketogenic guys say once your ketones come up and that sort of thing, you actually have less cravings after a couple of weeks. I don't know if that's just habitual or if there's something biological happening or what. Uh, have you heard anything about that, Mike? About the, like the 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 ketone production if you're really low yeah. the carbs go away yeah there's some there's some early data to show that higher production of ketones does seem to blunt appetite a little bit um, and i've played around with you can get exogenous ketone salts in various forms now too <clears throat> i actually yeah, yeah. used some yesterday before some aerobic type training um, it does seem to blunt appetite a, a little bit um, so i you know, if I have someone, I try to keep them out of that gray zone. I'm not a huge ketogenic diet fan for strength and power, maybe even physique. Um, but if someone gets super low, I'd rather have them go into a ketogenic state or try to get there. Um, I'm not a big fan of like the cyclic ketogenic diets. I know they've been around since Zapano had a 10-day template like decades ago. Right, yeah, um, yeah. And on theory, they look really cool on paper, but... Oh, man, I've just never seen them work that successfully in people. I'm sure someone's made it work. Um, and there was one study that still hasn't been published yet that showed the cyclic ketogenic diet, kind of, you know, the four or five days in a ketogenic state and the weekend you kind of go bonkers, that it took them, you know, almost till Wednesday to get back to a ketogenic state again. So you're oh, kind of prolonging yeah. this no man's land you're hanging out in. So Okay, that's true. That's true. I see that. You know what? We have enough time. Let me squeeze in one more. I, this is perfect for Phil. It, but good for both of you guys. But um, also Reddit question. Uh, if it's better to start lifting for strength for beginners, when do you start lifting for size? He says, like, at what point do, would you change a rep scheme? What's your opinion on that? Man. 
Oh. <sighs> That's What's tough. their goal? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on what their goal is, but I mean, it's... I don't... Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I do think he's. I think well, he wants size. I think size. you need to have some kind of base form or strength in. I mean, like we've talked about before, it's gonna like if you're doing sets of ten with eighty five pounds, you're just not strong enough. You know, you need to get a base build. You know, I don't know. I guess any any grown man should be. You know, you should be benching. You know, a couple hundred pounds, squatting three hundred at least, and mm-hmm. you know maybe deadlifting three fifty. Get that in first. Get some kind of base. I mean. I still catch crap from that episode we did where I said any grown ass man should deadlift four hundred five. Right, yeah. But I got yeah. a video I'm gonna put up tomorrow. I got a freaking seventeen year old kid that weighs one fifty just pulled four hundred five in my gym. So shut right. up. Wow. You know, <laughs> yeah. If I can make a hundred and fifty pound kid deadlift four hundred five, then you have no excuse as a grown man. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's if you do that first, then you know if you're doing reps with three fifteen on stuff, you're gonna the potential for growth is much bigger. You know, volume is volume, yes, but volume with load is even better as far as, you know, some kind of growth going right, on. So, right. Um, I think if you look at it like a total dose of iron, you know, if there's almost no iron on the bar, you can do reps all day. You're just not accruing that kind of load. Yeah. I mean, if it, if that was real, I mean, if it was just volume, then marathon runners would have jacked legs, dude. They'd right be just on. huge. <laughs> so it does take load. Yeah. So um, I would get some kind of base set. Even start it for yourself. You know, set, like I said, 315, 315, 200. You know, and then go to volume for a while and see what happens. And then, you know. but So you could, would you suggest then, I mean, if we just really get to this time, like when do you do this? You Would you go pure strength uh, kinds of training for at least six months or a year? Or would you Take a like oh. a period, like do periodization and take a little bit of time that year, and maybe do, you know, sets of eight to twelve for a while. Well, that's the thing is, like, even my strength athletes, I do when they come to me. When people come to me at first, they're amazed at the amount of volume my people do, even for strength. Mm-hmm. I volume make you stronger. We're gonna go uh, through. We're gonna go through stages where we're hitting, you know, thirty reps and something in a big move. You know, and then we'll slowly back down, and yeah, I do much more of a periodized type thing. Okay, we're doing thirty reps. Now we're down to fifteen reps. Now we're down to like five singles, and then we're going to bounce back again. Mm-hmm. So I definitely move through stages of high volume. Um, you gotta, you can't put a base in place doing singles. You just can't. So I mean, I believe beginners, yeah, they should be doing lots of reps, but you know, we're not going for size at that point. We're going for some kind of base of strength and musculature. Now, if we're talking pure just size. You know, like stepping on stage being pro bodybuilder size. Yeah, you need to lay down some strength first. But, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. No, I, that's true. And you're right. It's kind of double edged sword. It, it is. I mean, because honestly, I think, um, a beginner can build some pretty damn good legs in the 225 to 315 range. Yeah. You know, with oh, the volume. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So it's, uh, even an intermediate. I mean, that's, you know, I've only done I don't I didn't do this often, but I've only done you could probably count on two hands the number of times I've done three fifteen for a set of like twenty. That is yeah. ridiculously oh, hard. Disgusting. It's ridiculously <laughs> yeah. hard. I mean, yeah. I'm not a big person e- either. And some people are like, well, well, but I'm well. Sorry, that was good for me, you know. But at the same time, yeah, I, I Rob and I used to talk about that too. I, I really do believe that the, the two twenty five, basically two to three plates on a side, that's enough load. You're stimulating some growth. Yes. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save. There's one more on here that would be great. Uh, 
well, actually, for all you guys, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna table this one until next week. It's about functional strength training, and I'll, I'll save oh, that one. Opposed to non-functional strength training. Well, it's, <laughs> that's the quote. I, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't pick on me. Now. All right. All right. We'll go to break, and then we're gonna come back. We're just gonna kind of throw around some uh, achievements in training. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry and what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to talk about, uh, I guess, our achievements over the last few weeks or a few months or anything, you know, kind of recent. So. Right, yeah. It doesn't have to be maximum loads or anything. You know what? Let me start with – I'm going to start with an anti-achievement. This is gonna... <laughs> I made some pumpkin spice coffee this morning because I like this time of year as we're starting to head into the fall. But And I made the weakest coffee. Damn. I just <laughs> – <laughs> this is like everybody before we hit re- the record button to come back into the show. Um, everybody's talking about you know Phil's coffee line, how strong it is, and 
I'm drinking this coffee and, and nothing <laughs> nothing is happening. <laughs> so um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, so uh, so what's been happening? What about you, Phil? It could be with the boxing or uh, something you learned. Anything? Yeah, man, I'm a week into dieting, so I, I know I can go a week without a donut. <laughs> Still, <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I switched up. You know, normally I, w- I would stop and grab a donut on the way to train at 4.45 in the morning, and now I'm, like, waking up and slamming some whey protein and some coconut milk. And, yeah, it's not that bad. I'm good, man. It, I, I feel good. You know, you, so I think you got you to reprove it to yourself after not doing it for a while. Exactly, and that's the thing. And, I mean, I'm giving myself a nice long time. We're doing this for 24 weeks, so I don't have to do anything drastic. So. Nice. Just you know, we can slowly go at it. I'm just going really low carb for two weeks to get things rolling. I'm not watching calories at all. It's just mainly protein and fat, and then you know we'll adjust from there and get um, you know some some fruits in and things like that. So, what's the uh, goal? Uh, the, the target. The goal would be around six or seven percent. Wow! So that's super low. That's, Damn. That yeah. is the goal. So for my fortieth birthday. Oh, nice. Yep. I've had that goal for about oh, about seven years. The only issue I have is that seven years ago, I did not foresee having two major lower body surgeries that I need to come back from. Yeah, that would do so it. So I, I have a lot of leg mass to make up from those. You know, but uh, no, nah, it's coming along good. I'm doing tons of volume for, for lower body. Uh, like yesterday, I had to do 30 reps with 315 of one and a half deadlifts. So that's where you go from oh my the God. Floor, floor to the knee and then floor all the way up. That's one rep with 315. Hmm. So the, it was just the uh, – so basically you're doing 20 reps a set. And it wasn't the weight that was an issue. It was the – you know, I'm so used to be power training, so I'll, like, get psyched up and then take a big breath and then start rolling. And, like, five reps, I'm like, crap, I need to breathe or I'm going to pass out. <laughs> you know? Right, So yeah. it's learning to breathe again while I lift. And uh, so I get done and my heart rate's, like, 200. <laughs> and, no, uh, nah, it's good. It's good. I, I feel good. So of course that might be the coffee. Your your uh, high yeah. caffeine coffee helping with that. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> what about you, uh, Doctor Nelson? Um, training wise, it's been um, working a little bit more on 3D vision, uh, which has been getting quite a bit better. Um, had a guy do some some wacky kind of hands on stuff that helped quite a bit with that, and I've been able to uh, replicate that, which was cool. And when we were out in California, we got together with, uh, Dr. Josh Cotter. He's been on the show here before right and on, yeah. Yeah. played some volleyball out on the, the beach there. And oh, of course sweet. the people, yeah, the people we're playing with were like really good, which makes your playing so much better. <laughs> and they were nice to us. Um, but that went all right and didn't end horribly. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, Doing some grip stuff, got the the hundred pound uh, inch replica. So I've been able to get like four reps aside, eh, relatively easily now. So it's coming along better. And for just stuff in the the gym, I had to pick some just general lifts to kind of focus on that I know have a pretty high transfer. So I picked uh, dumbbell incline press, which tends to at least for me transfer pretty well to overhead pressing, especially axle clean and press. And then uh, dumbbell rows, um, but doing the dumbbell rows without any straps and no chalk and nothing else. So the weight's not so much the issue there. It's just, you know, a little bit more of the grip component. So and the rows, I was able to get up to 95 for, you know, sets of 12. Mm. Uh, again, not a lot, but mm-hmm. it's basically more of the, the grip component. 
And once I get to 100 on that, then I'll cycle in the the fat grips, so the 2-inch and the 3-inch uh, versions I just can walk over and bring to the gym. Uh, incline presses, did 85s for, you know, reps of 7. That was, you know, pretty good speed, felt that's pretty good. good. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it's, so it's getting better. You know, it's much better than I've ever done uh, before. And I, it's funny, I went and did the, the flat dumbbell bench the other day, and I'm like, I can do way more on the incline than I can on flat now. Mm. <laughs> so that was pretty bizarre. Yeah, that's different. Your hand size, dude, I, I can't remember. Do you have big hands? Because if listeners, if you don't know, Mike Nelson's a Mike's a big guy, tall, broad. But are your hands big? With Does it help with no, any of this stuff or not? they're not. They're, for my size, I'm like 6'3". They're pretty damn average. <laughs> okay. Uh, my my dad's side, like I got my um, basically my mom's bone structure. So everyone on their family is really tall, really lanky, really fine bone structure. Like my wrists are really small. Um, my dad's side was much much uh, bigger structure. So like his fingers are kind of the the sausage fingers, you know, type thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah definitely didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, I don't either. Sometimes I shake the hands of a big bodybuilder. Right? Yeah. I'm almost embarrassed. I have these <laughs> little hands. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, not tiny, but yeah, not like that meaty. You know, so, yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, it's like sausage fingers. Some of these guys, crazy. Uh, you know, I remember just... shaking uh, Brad Gillingham's hand, and I'm like, exactly, it's like a giant catcher's mitt. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly like a catcher's mitt. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that with you know guys that. I mean, Kazmaier, you know, like at the Arnold oh, Classic, yeah. and I mean, mm-hmm. you're just you're 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 just a child. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> partly because you know you're geeking out a little because of who it is, but partly because literally physically in size, you're a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Jay yeah. Holdsworth is like that too. The the first time I met him at the Lead FTS Learn to Train, he was in the deadlift group, so he was instructing there with uh, Dr. John Mike, and I'm walking over there, and I'm like, hey. Isn't that an inch dumbbell just laying there? He's like, oh, yeah. So he walks over, like, just picks it up. And it was – so, of course, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Everyone else sees him do it. And it was funny to watch all these other guys come up and, like, no one could even pick it up. Um, but, I mean, JL pulls close to 800 pounds and competed in one several grip events and stuff too. So oh, yeah. Yeah, he was one massive, dude. massive dude. He was at a – Strength conditioning conference that I did yeah. at uh, yeah University of Akron years ago, yeah, nice guy too on the ball. Oh, super really nice on guy. the ball, super nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we could do one quick other round here maybe, but uh, you know, for me with the lifting stuff, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> I'm going to put it out out there, but I mean, I'm tr- I think if I have an achievement, I've been able to maintain like you know, it's uh, just a three to four day per week frequency, e- even with the start of the semester. You know, and sometimes that's easier said than done. I know some listeners know what I'm talking about. You know, you, there are times where it's like what you said before, Mike, with like with your dissertation. You can't oh. just expect to train six days a week. That's it's just oh, no. not going to happen. Uh, but I'm just going to put out a request. You know, send us an email through ironradio.org or whatever. But I don't know. I, I need a I need a goal, right? Because I'm this quasi arthritic, you know, beat up joint. <laughs> Post bodybuilding competitive, you know, I don't know what to do with myself really. Um, I, I remember back in the day, you guys remember in the back of the muscle magazines, Clarence Bass had those ripped, oh, yeah. that ripped book, and this guy just continued to get shredded like well yeah, into his, year. I think, 60s, you know. 
I, might, I think even beyond that. But know, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Especially I can't let Phil the powerlifter get shredded. And I'm this off season mess. I'm gonna be all back, man. It's gonna be like he's got no arms. It's like I've, I haven't done a bicep curl in years, mm-hmm. and I got to do some of that. And I'm doing leg extensions and oh, oh, leg <laughs> extensions. That's yeah. awesome. awesome. I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I'm I'm pleased about, I guess, over the last uh, couple of months is I, I've always fussed about doing cross pollinating with you know getting back to doing some writing and some other podcasts and stuff and i took the opportunity in the summer to actually do that you know it's a way for me to get iron radio out there and we do get new listeners that way you know so building the community is something that's actually hard to do because like i've said before we all have real jobs and it's hard to you know spend all your time marketing i I get jealous of some of the the people that do podcasts and uh it's kind of a main thing for them you know Mm -hmm. maybe their spouse supports them or whatever and um yeah, I'm not in that category. None of us are. So it's it's hard to take the time to do that. Uh, so, uh, and then you know what? I there's the ASEP conference coming up in October. Uh, I've been organizing that, so that's going to have more of a mental health kind of slant. You know, uh, we're gonna. Have, nice. I, I had Sean Casey. He's going to come down, and we'll get Corey Van Wyke down. Awesome. Um, you know, from the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, Iowa, etc. You know, I'll try to get Mike Nelson down here, too. I'm just trying to build the schedule and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of people would be surprised. at You know, we said, like, barbell barbell training works. Uh, Well, nutrition does, too. And it's amazing how many health professionals, they try to get outcomes out of people with pathetic uh, lifestyles. It's like trying to plant flowers in a spoiled garden. You know, you they're physically weak. Uh, they they don't have the micronutrition or any kind of nutrition for that matter, and you're trying to help them with their depression or their anxiety or their whatever it might be, you know, like a, a back pain or, and they just have very fundamental lifestyle issues, and yet they don't always get addressed as much, you know. So we're going to focus mostly on the some of the mental health here this October. If anybody's curious about it, you can send me an email through ironradio.org. Um, but that's one of the things that I feel like I'm making some progress on. We, we're giving out continuing education credits for certain health, mental health professionals and that kind of stuff. So, You mentioned micronutrition and depression. When I was at the International Society of Clinical Neuroscience Conference last year, there was a guy from Harvard, uh, Dr. Charlie Popper, was presenting on that. And um, he uses like just you know a standard pretty high-dose multivitamin, super high-dose actually in his practice. And he found just by doing that and getting more, you know, vitamins, micronutrition and stuff in a lot of people that his use of antidepressants actually dropped off like dramatically. Oh, uh, hey. He was it, a psychiatrist, it, I believe. Can you so. get some of that evidence? I'd love to throw that into yeah. one of the talks that, that we're doing. Yeah, vitamin yeah. D. I mean, there's been some good links to a lot of things. Creatine, you know. Yep. So anything else? No, I mean the only other thing I get got is I'm glad I can still I can squat 500 and deadlift 500 after two massive surgeries. So really, that's where oh, I want to be. Yeah, Bill, nice. you freak me out with that sometimes. <laughs> you're you're back at it, you know. And I know to you that's like a 60 percent load or something, but that yeah. that, that was my goal, and wow. I'm not going to go higher than that until after this diet's done. So I'm giving myself another 24 weeks before I even attempt to go higher than that. I've got to let myself heal. Yeah, you do. So yeah, how's the discrepancy left to right now? Pretty good. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, they both suck. 
So. <laughs> I'm even. <laughs> I would so. say 500 is sucking, but. Yeah. <laughs> but. All right, fellas. Well, uh, I've got some construction guys in my right. front yard. Right. Oh. So Have a good one. All right, see ya. Talk to you later. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.